Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Rada, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's segment, we're going live with an Attacking Third weekend recap of NWSL action. Before we get into all the games, a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for all news and updates at Attacking Third. Subscribe to us on YouTube for NWSL Extended Highlights exclusive interviews and our live recaps at youtube.com slash attacking third. We got some games to go through, Lisa, and some news to talk about a little bit, quite frankly. How, how are you doing today? How are you doing tonight after all the games this weekend? I'm good. It's spread out between Friday and, and today on Sunday, which I like that. I mean, the, the doubleheader happening today at the same time is always nice because, um, it's good to have a lot of chaos at the same time. Frankly, I like it, but my weekend was good. Very hot. We're like hitting summer here in Philadelphia and I'm loving it. We got the AC on right now because it's so warm out and it's amazing, but um, I am good. Sandra, how are you? I love the white hat. Thank you. You know what? We're uh, listen. I didn't plan this, but I realized that this is probably like my best, like soul Rosa angel city fit that I've got going on. And I'm not saying that I had a part in tonight's result, but I feel <laughs> I feel good about my choices that I made earlier today and how they're now playing out towards the end of Sunday. We've got uh, a number of matches to go through. Uh, one that ultimately wasn't played that we have to talk about a little bit first. Let's uh, let's get into we're going to get into the games that are most fresh in everybody's minds. That's that's how we're going to do this this rundown here. Let's talk about the games that just took place on Sunday right now. And you know what? Let's do it. Since I'm already, I'm already talking about the Sol Rosa and everything else that angel city on the road facing 2021 NWSL champion, Washington spirit. They end up getting a victory on the road, defeating Washington spirit one zero banger for Kristen press. Mm-hmm. Lisa, I mean, I think when we're thinking back to the preview, we we were looking at these two teams and we were thinking, hey, maybe this is the the game where Washington finds himself getting yeah. back on track. I believe we both went for the spirit in this one. And listen, I love hopping on here and talking about how we were incorrect because we were Angel City had other plans and other ideas. What did you see in this game, Lisa? 
Yes. Yeah, so we had both picked Washington to win this one. Angel City traveling to D.C., Audi Field. It was going to be their first away regular season match and going up against 2021 NWSL champions, runners up to the Challenge Cup. Um, there's a lot of good reasons why we picked Washington to win this win. But ultimately, as the game unfolded, um, it was in, it's incredibly hot in Washington, D.C. today at Audi Field. They took hydration breaks. Um, looking at the starting lineups, there was a little bit of change on both sides. Uh, when we look at just Washington Spirit, they had golf starting in the back line, which not a usual position for golf. Traditionally a midfielder, but slotting into the back line, which um, I think had a pretty good day back there. It matched up against... Kristen Press, though, and that's incredibly hard. Then when we look at the Angel City side of things, we already know that Freya Coombe has transitioned Jasmine Spencer from a forward that scores a bunch of goals into an outside back that can be a knockdown defender. Today against Washington, we saw Freya Coombe put Tyler Lucy starting forward for Angel City throughout mm -hmm. the Challenge Cup, throughout the regular season so far in the back line. So Spencer on one side on the right, Tyler Lucy on the left side. Just interesting. No, Allie Riley still for Angel City out due to COVID protocol mm -hmm. for the second week. Um, and, and because of that, that was a bit different to see press Charlie and endo in the front line. Um, but to see Lucy in the back line was really interesting. We, we talked a little bit about this right before we started, where was Madison Hammond? She was yeah. not on the uh, availability report listed as questionable or out. She was available as a substitute off the bench, but having Lucy in the back line matching up against Trinity Rodman, perhaps the speed there, the physicality, uh, I, I didn't hate that matchup. And I think Lucy did pretty well against Rodman. I mean, looking at the scoreline, Rodman didn't get a goal. She didn't get an assist. So Lucy, job well done. But throughout this match, um, it wasn't as open as I was maybe expecting it to be. I think Angel City controlled a lot of the possession and just passing the ball around, which is something that Freya Coombe and her side, they like to do. But the the opening goal, uh, the lone goal in this match from Kristen Press coming towards the end of the first half, this this goal was it's like a typical Kristen Press goal. You can't give her space at the top of the box. Nope. And if you do, she's going to finish it. But she's incredibly hard to stick with because she's quick and she can get past defenders. And as, if you give her just an inch of space, she can slice and dice the ball. And that's exactly what she did. She beat the first defender. She cut on the second defender, and as soon as that second defender stood up, instead of keeping their knees bent, staying low, uh, center of gravity, and being able to move their feet with press, press found uh, just a tiny window and curled the ball in the back post. Kingsbury didn't really uh, have a chance against that goal. So this game was... It happened in the end of the very first half after a bit of a hydration break that we saw in Washington for this match. Sometimes it's like those moments where you reset, like you kind of just hit a quick reset button in the game. And I think whether it comes from kind of a, maybe a delayed free kick or delayed sip, or in this case, like a hydration break you're pointing out, sometimes yeah. that's what it is for is necessary for a team to sort of kickstart something, right? And I think we maybe saw that in, in this game. But, but I'm with you. I think even... Even from the jump, like before this game, when you saw the starting 11s drop, it, it caught your attention right away just because I like the adjustment. I, I like it from Freya Coombe. Uh, you know, you got a number of players that maybe you're trying to get on the field at, this, at the same time playing together. And we saw a little bit of 
of maybe a competitive positional battle a little bit with, mm-hmm. with Charlie and, and Lucy, like what's going to happen there. And then Freya Coombe just said, you know what, we're just going to push Tyra Lucy further yeah. back in this one and, and see how, how this works. And uh, it's early, but it's game one of seeing this, this adjustment. And we'll see if uh, this is something that Angel City sticks with. But uh, listen, I love the the storyline of, of a new expansion team coming on the road, uh, going up against the defending champions and kind of surprising folks across the league. Uh, not a ton. I'm sure in terms of the storylines going into this one, probably a lot of folks thinking that maybe the spirit where we're going to get in front of this one. I know you and I came on here and, and made that pick as well, but uh, I like it. I love to see an adjustment uh, by, the, by the coaching staff and to sort of see that pay off. And then when you're looking on the spirit side of things, again, with you once more, Lisa, like that was a thing that you noticed where you're like, Ashley Sanchez isn't yeah. in this game to start. Okay. And you're just like, all right, well, let's see where this goes. Let's see how this plays out. Let's see what happens. And I think just, just from the jump, just even as you took a look at those starting 11s, noticing the adjustment for Angel City, noticing the absence of Sanchez or, uh, for, for, for the spirit, you're kind of like, okay, this game might, <laughs> might end in a, you know, in, in, in le- or at least give us some, some pleasant surprises. And I think that's what that's, we got in this one. I, it's exactly what we got. Um, I, I agree. You mentioned the Lucy Simone Charlie battle up top. I, I think that's something that Freya Coombe is struggling with a little bit as to which player can provide so much. And I'm a fan of Lucy in the back line, honestly. I mean, it, it provides a different look. We'll see when Allie Riley comes back, kind of how that shakes out. Um, but for Washington, not starting Ashley S- Sanchez as a way to give her a little bit of rest, I think it changed things for sure. I mean, the Washington midfield was good and they can control possession, but none of them have the attacking prowess that Sanchez has. And and, I mean, there's no one in the world that compares to a player like Ashley Sanchez. Um, Looking at the goalkeeper battle between these two matches, Aubrey Kingsbury, she had a good game. Um, Despite letting in that one goal by press, she had a pretty good game organizationally and in goal doing essentially what she could throughout this match. Towards the very end of this game, it started to downpour in D.C. Um, And this was at a point where Washington was trying to put on a little bit more pressure. Uh, You could see that Rodman was getting a little bit tired towards the end of this game, still trying to put in a a lot of pressure and a lot of press. Um, But a little non-soccer that I want to talk to you about. And I don't know if you saw this. There's a number of games happening at the same time. But Tyler Lucy dealt with a bit of an injury towards the end of this match. And yeah. Freya Kuhn tries to put on Paige Nielsen, who is back after being out for all season long um, in the offseason. She dealt with some illnesses and personal things and formerly with Washington Spirit. So she's back in D.C. She was given her championship ring before the match by Michelle Yang and... Then as she's trying to be subbed on, this is maybe like 10, 15 minutes left in the match. They put their number on the board and Paige Nielsen has an earring in. She can't get on pitch. And the whole training staff is trying to rip out her earring. Meanwhile, Lucy has already left the pitch because she's exhausted, dealing with a bit of an injury. She can't run as well. And she walks all the way around the perimeter of the field. Nielsen can't get on the pitch. They're trying to take her earring at. I am like losing my mind on my couch watching this. I'm like, rip it out. Just cut it out. Like, that's all you've got to do. Like, how do you not have your earrings dealt with? Like, so I, this was mind boggling. 
this is mind boggling to me. I was a high school girls soccer coach, varsity. And if I went to put a girl for four years, if I went to put a player in and they had an earring, this happened once. I was like, go sit down. You're not playing. Uh oh. How do you have an earring in? Tough. It was mind boggling to me. I felt bad for Nielsen. Coach Lisa is tough. back in Washington. She wants to play. Coombs trying to get her in her first game. And she ends up getting on in the final minute of stoppage time. She plays for like 90 seconds or something. It just bonkers to me. And poor Lucy is injured and having to run around the field because you can't get another sub in. I was not, I was upset. I was like, how is this happening? It was, you know, it was just like one of like chaotic energy moments. I think that happened throughout the weekend. Maybe like that could be another segment. I think that we could look at and incorporating an attacking third. Like what was the chaotic energy oh. moment over, over the weekend? And it almost feels like at least in every game that took place this weekend, that there might've been, one of those, but you know what? The earring didn't end up impacting the result in this game, though. True. Angel Thank City gosh. still picking up the dub, walking away with the three points. And we got Washington Spirit with some work to do. We'll see how they look in the bounce back in the following week. Let's talk about the other match that was taking place alongside dual kickoffs going on here for, for Sunday, which is why we want to, you know, chat about these first at the top of the episode. We also had San Diego Wave FC hosting Chicago Red Stars. This one ending in a 2-1 scoreline. And San Diego Wave FC staying undefeated at the moment right now in the regular season. Casey Stoney and the Wave getting a good, good start to their regular season here. You love to see it. Honestly, this is like some real – we had to start with the California teams at the top of this hour. This is just like real California vibes going on right now, and I appreciate it so, so much. But let, let's maybe chat similarly uh, uh, you know, about this game as we were the previous game. Things to look out for in this game that maybe we took note of initially uh, – Similar to the starting 11s when they drop, you, mm -hmm. we knew ahead a little bit ahead of time when those availability reports came in. Lisa, we talked about it a little bit when uh, we were doing our preview as well. We were looking at the Chicago Red Star side and saying this is not only going to be the first time that they're heading on the road for their regular season. It's going to be against competition uh, in California, a state that they've never played before. We were talking about that. And we were also talking about the uh, maybe the lack of personnel that they would have of unavailable for this match. And it turns out that came to fruition in, mm -hmm. in this game that, again, without another big piece in, in Mal Pugh, missing somebody like Morgan Gattrall, but also uh, some, you know, some of the, uh, the, the, the massive ground that their midfield is covering right now due to the kind of this fluctuating three-back that Chicago is playing right now. Uh, maybe we're starting to see a little bit of uh, that settle in on the legs a little bit as we're starting to see some players listed as questionable as well uh, for, uh, for the Red Stars midfield. So when we're looking at some of the pieces here in this game, not seeing a player like Danny Colaprico getting the mm -hmm. start for the Red Stars, seeing somebody like Alyssa Motts, uh, you know, in place of, of Aaron Wright. So just a couple of things right away that that stick out there. And then obviously for, for the San Diego Wave side as well, uh, noting that Amir Ali got the start. And there was a lot of enthusiasm about that because uh, Ali is a player that is showing a lot of great promise early on in the early months of this year with San Diego. So it was great to sort of see her get the start. Unfortunately, injury brought her out of this game. And we'll talk a little bit about that though. But when you look at these starting 11s drop, you see that you realize 
Jody Taylor's getting the start, Jakobsen mm-hmm. on the bench. So again, I know similar to what we were maybe seeing with with Spirit and Angel City, we're like, okay, some some adjustments here, some some different things, some different looks that we're getting a look at here. And we talked for San Diego on their side, and during the preview, we we said, well, this is also San Diego's first look at a team like the Red Stars uh, and they're getting a chance to maybe play a team that's used to being a little bit more organized in their shape, a little bit more uh, or, uh, organized uh, defensively. And we thought maybe might come down to keepers a little bit because we had two number ones going head to head here with Kaylin Sheridan and Alyssa Nair. Now, in terms of the play out of this game, goals kind of happening over long stretches of periods here. Again, we're, we're, we're starting to see a little trend here where we're looking at goals in some of these games over the weekend as we get through them coming more towards the second half of these games and we see in this game Alex Morgan continuing her goal streak in the regular season and we see in the second half after some pretty even play in terms of uh, nobody being able to find the breakthrough on goal we get a breakaway opportunity here in this match unfortunately Kayla Sharples with a foul in the box and is awarded a penalty to San Diego and of course Alex Morgan gets on up there head to head with her national team teammate and converts senseless in there the complete opposite way and then just ahead of the hour mark San Diego's up one zero and it just sort of felt like maybe because of Chicago kind of going into California limping that this probably was going to be enough for San Diego. That was kind of the vibe that I got from this as I was watching it happen in real time. I was like, well, that's unfortunate to go nearly an hour and then concede, but not only just concede, but concede by way of a penalty. That's tough. It's super tough. tough. And and for Morgan, that's her third penalty kick in two games, right? She had two in her last match for the regular season. Um, Looking at our our picks for this one, you had a draw in this one. I did have San Diego winning, but um, we have to look at, you mentioned the starting lineups and the availability reports for Chicago. There was, uh, we knew heading into this that, uh, Mallory Pugh is most likely going to be out and Morgan Gattrall in the midfield. But then coming into this match just this morning and last night, the availability report listing Danny Colaprico as questionable, Vanessa DiBernardo, Alyssa Nair, and Aaron Wright all as questionable. So yeah. honestly, to see Nair get the start, I was surprised, pleasantly surprised to see that because when I saw that on the availability report, I was thinking this is, it's a long season yeah. and you don't want, Nair was out for so much of last year because of the Olympics and everything that happened there. So to see her get the start and play full 90 and play a good 90, she looks good. She looked mobile. Um, it, it had mentioned it was her back coming into this game. No Aaron Wright uh, coming into this match either. So the availability on that sense was a, a little different. And then Amira Ali, um, yeah, the getting the start, I think making a huge impact and a huge difference in yeah. this game, playing really, really well. We saw a lots of lots of different turnover from San Diego as well, with Jakobsen coming in and Turnbow getting a lot of time and Johnson, which is good to see all the versatility there. But Sheridan, you mentioned this is a bit of a goalkeeper battle. 
she ends up with the yellow card. I know we still have to talk about some of the other things and the other goals that happened throughout uh, the end of this game because it was more chaos as we neared the end of this game. There was an initial Chicago goal that was called offside. Um, after that happened, it was going to be the equalizer called back. But then ultimately, um, San Diego, they net a second one. Kaylee Real ended up being wide open, wide open at, yeah. at about the six yard box, a beautiful ball sent in by Turnbow and real just as a center back, so much composure to just chest the ball and volley it into the wide open net. As we're watching the replay on the stream cuts back to real time. And before we know it, Chicago's celebrating, they get it there. Another goal, just about a minute later. Um, it, this was a really good goal by Ava cook, a nice response, but also happening in the 90th minute. Yeah, and then Kayla Sheridan, <laughs> Kayla Sheridan, Kaylin Sheridan gets a yellow card right after that. She kicks the ball to the <laughs> corner flag. She was pissed off uh, after that happened. Goalkeeper for San Diego. Um, yeah. So it was like, goal, goal, yellow card. I was like, I was, <laughs> So I hey, I respect the energy. Listen, at that point, you're 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 essentially looking to secure the bag on a clean sheet, you of know. Course. And and we see that, and it's just and that, that's a bummer to, to sort of have, like see that happening, you know, towards uh towards the ending of a game. If you're San Diego, not looking to extend your win streak in the regular season, but you know, make no doubt about it, this this uh this was absolutely San Diego's game. You know, from from the jump, there just was some uh, some disconnect at moments for this Red Star side. They're just unable to to string together passes during stretches of, of the game. Turnovers happening, yeah. you know, throughout it. We we got to see Alex Morgan continuing to make these massive runs and getting in behind the back line. Um, she's she's looking great, quite frankly. You know, Alex Morgan has been uh, part of the key to San Diego's success right now on the pitch. And Casey Stoney has been making her adjustments as she sees fit. It was great to see Ali get this start and unfortunately picked up a little bit of a knock mm -hmm. earlier in the game, came off, looked like she got uh, some wrap put around her knee, then went out and gave it another go, but unfortunately had to be subbed out once more. So, so hopefully uh, nothing that, that's more and, of a precaution than anything, but we'll see. And, and Ali, she went down with a bit of the injury. She got right. tended to on the sidelines and she came back in and tried to play through it. And ultimately uh, just being subbed off relatively early throughout this match against Chicago. So that was interesting uh, to see. She she came out in the 34th minute and Jakobsen coming in for Ali at that point. So hoping yeah, another another player that. who was getting yeah. in behind the Red Stars back line once once she came out to the pitch. So, um, yeah, I think maybe there might be an argument for some folks to say like, oh, like this you know, it was a narrow scoreline and, but I'm, I don't believe this game was, was no. even by, by any means. And you can, whether you look at the highlights or if you look at the numbers, that's, that's just what it is. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of good ideas, maybe if you're the Chicago Red Stars, but unfortunately the personnel just uh, is not matching uh, the, the ideas on the pitch at the moment. So we'll have to take a look and see how they eventually bounce back. Yes, exactly. But I think it's really important that we're starting this segment and, and this episode talking about Angel City and San Diego because they top the standings right now yeah, in the right. regular season. San Diego, number one, nine points. They remain at the top. Angel City, six points at number two. And Portland right under them with four points. So there's a big disparity between that. Who would have thought that these Angel City sides were or this expansion sides would be at the top? Take a screenshot of the standings because it's so fun to look back come um, August 
August, September and say, remember, I mean, we'll see kind of how things shake out, but it's impressive really to watch these expansion sides. And we knew this coming in because they have great coaches. They have experienced players. They have a little bit of youth and, and it's finding that identity, which throughout the challenge cup, we saw each side, San Diego and angel city finding more of that identity about what type of team they wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll see if it keeps up. It's a long season, Lisa. I'm Very excited long. to sort of see it play out right now, early, early in these uh in these uh beginning weeks of the regular season. But we'll we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I like that you told everyone to take a screenshot because it might, who knows, towards the end of the season, it might look a little different towards the end. But We've enjoyed talking about the California sides, and we've got a couple more matches to get through, and we're going to do that right after a quick break. Stay with us. Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let's get back to it. We've got a number of games to get through for you all here today on the live. But first, before we get into all the remainder of these games to do a recap on those, there is a game that got postponed and we will not be able to do a recap on. Uh, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC was set to host North Carolina Courage. A little bit of a rematch, I guess, from from the, the East region group play uh, those two teams going head-to-head during the Challenge Cup and walking away with a draw in North Carolina Courage getting the better of the two-game series within them. But unfortunately, ahead of the match, uh, some little, a little bit of back and forth. Uh, you know, the, the league announced a new COVID protocol. They announced a new COVID player replacement policy. It's about 24 hours before kickoff. It essentially allows teams uh, to, in the future, be able to sign players 
yeah. in the event of uh, COVID protocol and uh, are missing players due to heavy absences because of COVID protocol. And it's a new policy that just got put in place. It's going to follow uh, a similar policy that already exists, something called the National Team Replacement player policy. Uh, but the COVID protocol policy is currently going to be in place for at least the next 60 days, and it will be reevaluated by the league and the NWSL Players Association, as we are still currently uh, in the process of navigating an ongoing pandemic. And uh, between these two teams, once the availability report dropped, we understood a little more clarity as to why the league yeah. had announced a new uh, COVID replacement player policy because on the availability report between the two clubs of Gotham and the Courage, there were 11 players who were out under COVID protocol. I believe it was, I think, maybe four for uh, for Gotham and somewhere around six or seven for, for North Carolina courage. So just a very, very tough and difficult situation between for both clubs here. And then ultimately a call was made by the league to postpone the match altogether and is going to be rescheduled with a date uh, to be announced later on. So that is why we will not be discussing this particular match because uh, technically it has not taken place yet. But Lisa, I'd love to get your reactions uh, to some of this stuff as it dropped in real time. It, so as it's dropping in real time, seeing the availability report and, and how many players were out and, and how many were not able to dress or travel or suit up, it was staggering to see yeah. that. I mean, and even when you look at Angel City, they're dealing with Allie Riley, who's still under COVID protocol. Yeah. But when it's so many players that are just such a big impact in the team, I think this is a smart move. Um, I know a number of people were asking why it wasn't a forfeit of this match because that's what happened with Washington last year. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure why not, but which side would forfeit if if there was both on either side, which yeah which players are more important and who is to judge of that it, considering there's um, 11 out total between the two sides. And then ultimately um, the new protocol within the league saying that you can sign COVID replacement players, but they're going to reassess that in 60 days between yeah. the league and the PA. Um, this is interesting. I mean, these are weird times we're still dealing with. The fact that this is happening, and, and I don't know the code, the protocol, if these players are getting tested weekly or daily, or if it's more like they're feeling sick or they know they were exposed and then they get tested. I don't know that from that sense, but um, it's the league is at least making decisions. That's always helpful, isn't it? Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, when, it comes to, when it comes to player safety and, 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 and game day, uh, match day safety as well, I think it was, you know, if we're asked if people are wondering if we think this is the right call, I think we're both in agreement that, yes, it, it was correct to to go ahead and just uh, postpone this match altogether. And considering that the new COVID replacement player policy was something that obviously came to life with consultation with the NWSL Players Union, that this was probably a mutual agreement as well. So uh, unfortunate to not have this match, you know, be played and let's not be able to, to chat a little bit about it, but we'll have to keep our, our eye on it in, uh, in the future. Yes, I can. I just pulled up the availability report. Caprice Didasco for Gotham, Ashlyn Harris, uh, Ali Krieger, um, Margaret Purse uh, out for Gotham. And then for North Carolina, Tessa Bodie, 
Katie Bowen, Abby Erseg, Carol. Oh no, not Caroline. Excuse me, Carson Pickett, uh, Brianna Pinto, Kaylin Rowland, yeah. Havana Salone. Like oh, oh. so many players out yeah. because of that. Uh, yeah. Just we're talking about you're talking for both sides. You're talking about key players, players starters, who are probably yes. going to be starting in the game. Yeah, it's just it was it was it was the right call. Um, we hate to see it, but unfortunately, it had to be made, and I'm glad that uh, that the call was made. So, uh, we do have three remaining games though to talk about, and uh, we got to talk about them because they were all draws. So the teams, the remaining teams, split points over the weekend. Really, let's just start with with the top of the order here. Portland Thorns hosted Oil Rain in the uh, first round edition of the 2022 regular season Cascadia rivalry. Uh, and these two teams played out to a 0-0 draw. And it was a bit of a rainy, soggy affair yeah. in this one. Tough. Uh, we saw the ball movement not so great. I mean, maybe, it's, uh, obviously, it's already artificial turf, number one. And then you've got this combination of rainfall pretty consistent throughout the match from you know minute one all the way through through minute 90 and we had an ol rain team on the road quote unquote right not not too far mm -hmm. of a trip though we talked about that in our preview that maybe this wasn't a regular type of away game where the length of time away isn't too too lengthy uh, but Laura Harvey uh, also mentioning a little bit in, in the post game of this one, talking about how the match felt very Portland, very Seattle, kind of frantic and uh, and kind of hectic. And uh, I got to say, I agree with her assessment of this match a little bit. I I almost kind of felt as this match continued to go on that there was potential for if there was going to be a, a sort of breakthrough goal that it would come by way of sort of an oops or yes. by some, yes. some type of error or, or otherwise. Um, and we saw, we saw some interesting things on, on both sides of the pitch from, from both teams here. Um, but Portland looking definitely, in my opinion, uh, to have had some of the better of chances in this game. And unfortunately the ball just did not, just did not trickle in the back of that net, but by any, uh, from the post, uh, in this in a, in a game like this but you know even in shots for both of these team leases both ending and in, in 17 apiece uh but all those shots and nobody able to get a breakthrough goal uh in this one unfortunately we've got to see a little bit more time from megan rapina who's working her way back into the fold got uh, substituted into this game just past the hour mark so we're starting to see her build on some minutes a little bit here, but I'm I'm loving what we're seeing in the attack uh, from from Weaver, from Smith, from Sinclair. Oh, yeah. I think it's uh, I think it's going to be something that we're just going to continue to see evolve as as the season goes on. That trio for Portland, Smith, Weaver, Sinclair, is really fun to watch. I know that JP and Lori on the call were talking about their age difference between those, specifically Christine Sinclair, who's a very veteran player, and Sophia Smith, who's in her low 20s, and that their relationship on the pitch is seamless. They they can read each other's minds. They run off each other so well. Their combination play is incredible. And from Morgan Weaver, she fits into that trio seamlessly. And we're seeing a lot more confidence from Morgan Weaver, which I am really happy to see. We're seeing her take shots when she has them, whereas uh, and they're good shots. They're on frame. It's forcing Solis Joyce to make a save. Whereas last year, we saw Weaver either dishing those off at the last minute or they weren't 
well enough struck shot. So I'm impressed with what I'm seeing from Morgan Weaver. You mentioned all the shots throughout this match and it ends even between Portland and rain. Bella Bigsby, Portland goalkeeper had three saves. Fallon Tullis Joyce for OL rain, six saves on the night. Uh, you mentioned one or two of them going off the post. This, this game was, it was a little sloppy between these two sides, but you mentioned the conditions and, and how everything was working out, but the three back for Portland and then they're five in the midfield with Klingenberg and Quika being those wing backs that can drop in defensively. And then with yeah. possession, it contribute to the attack. It's incredible oh, yeah. to watch. Big, big so game from, from Quika, a player I really mm. enjoyed watching in this one. And and I'm really enjoying seeing someone like Janine Becky also getting extended yeah. minutes, you know, just still kind of probably maybe getting uh, adjusted, you know, the time, with the thorns she literally just got with with the club but good to see her get subbed in and, and try to you know come off the bench and, and be one of those game changers right that we always hear uh, players refer to as in, in in this league uh but in terms of the ol rain side of things i mean very impressive i think too along the right hand side uh, looking at yeah. sofia huerta in this game ridiculous ridiculous <laughs> stat i thought it was a typo when i saw it lisa but sofia huerta ended this game with 132 touches and i was like what and thankfully thankfully during the, the post game uh, our, our colleague Susie Rance was out there and asked says hey was that by design Laura Harvey like well what what are we looking at here and and Laura Harvey saying yeah it was a little bit of a tactical design it's something that they want to continue to do they want to continue to see Sophia were to get more touches on the ball they would like to see uh play build up through her when possible and they're going to continue to try to work with her uh on that but uh was I again I saw it and I was like there's no there's no way it's so <laughs> real Context for context for people. Sophia Huerta, 132 touches. The next highest for OL Reign is Lauren Barnes. So uh, opposite position, which makes yeah. a lot of sense, 88 touches. <laughs> that is the disparity between these two sides. And for Portland, Natalia Huica, uh having 81 at, at the number one. So <laughs> that is insane. That is insane. So that means Sophia Huerta and Lou Barnes had more touches than Quika, who had the most for Portland throughout this match. Like, it is so impressive. Yeah. But if you get Sofia Huerta on the ball, she's going to create magic with it. She's confident on it. She can beat defenders. She can combine really well. She has a great vision to play those assisted balls into the box and lofted balls with great texture. Yeah, um, yeah I'm excited for a lot more of these rivalry oh, games yeah. to come. I was going to say, this one, this one ended in a zero zero scoreline. But what it left me with was I was like, I can't wait for the next one. And yeah. we're going to see, we're going to have to wait a little bit. It's going to take place in the summer and, and, uh, and Seattle is going to host that one at Lumen field. But even though this ended in a zero zero scoreline, what we saw, I think coming out of it was just, we want to see the next edition of it for sure. So we'll see what the next one turns out. If it ends up being a result, if they end up splitting points again, we will see another match that ended in a draw was Orlando pride and Kansas City current. This one in a 2-2 draw, not a scoreless draw for this one. So we've got some we've got some goals and some things and some scenarios to talk about in this one. Lisa, I think when we were previewing this one, uh, we were talking a little bit about what we would like to see from these two teams. What, what were the picks that we had in, in this one when we were making our preview? Um, so just to reflect, Portland OL Rain, we both had OL Rain dubbed for that one. You had Orlando and I had a draw in this. Oh, I love. Okay, so I love this for you, pal. Let me tell you, uh, watching this in real time, towards again all these chaotic energy moments that we were witnessing throughout the weekend, 
that this all happens this at the game, end of the game. <laughs> this, this game for me, it ranks number like one in terms of the chaotic energy. Oh, I love that. In this one, it, there was just a lot going on when you if you are only able to watch you know, 20 minutes of this game, watch like the last 20 minutes yeah. or you can head on over to our YouTube channel and check out the extended highlights. That will also tell you a little bit more of the story in this one. Uh, but, you know, I think when we're looking, let's start with the home side here first, Lisa. Mm -hmm. When we're looking at Orlando Pride, I know we talked a little bit about wanting to see both of these teams really. I know we're focusing on the home side right now, but we wanted we wanted to see some progression in this regular season. I know for Orlando Pride, we're like, hey, they're coming off of a win against Angel City. Let's see them try to extend and, and build on that. And now here they are hosting at home a Kansas against the Kansas City side that is, you know, kind of stumbled out of the gate here uh, during the regular season after an impressive Challenge Cup also trying to find a result for themselves in this regular season. And as these two teams kind of go head to head, we started to see for Orlando, why a player like Gunny John's daughter has become yeah. so essential to them. Why the return of Aaron McLeod has been massive for this club. Uh, coming up with a number of saves down the stretch, kind of making things difficult, keeping things even for this Orlando pride team. And then, when they got this goal, again, a game that had all the goals coming in the second half, when they got this goal in the second half, LaRue connecting with John Sutter, maybe kind of saying, okay, let's maybe try to rely a little bit on, on our shape, goalkeeping. But unfortunately, that was not enough because Elise Bennett, who was listed as questionable for this game, yeah. Lisa comes on and gets the equalizer for Kansas City in the 78th minute. So Elise Bennett, rookie, changed this entire game for 100%. Kansas City. It, if if you're going to watch the 20 minutes of this game, watch it after Bennett subbed onto this match because it was fantastic from her. It, it, she came on at the hour mark, 62nd minute, and it allowed another outlet for Kansas City in the front line because Addie McCain was getting so sucked in and defending against Sydney LaRue throughout the first 60 minutes of this match that McCain wasn't an outlet for that <laughs> Labonta and Scott in the midfield. Instead, as soon as Bennett came on, she said, I'm not marking LaRue. I'm not marking LaRue. I'm not marking anyone. I'm going to occupy this space that is being wide open in in the flanks, in behind LaRue. And when Peterson pushes up, that's where Bennett was occupying the space. And they continued to find her. And when Bennett gets the ball, she looks to go to goal. She looks to make a difference. And that's what we saw. It's it's a shame she was dealing with a bit of an injury because um, Elise Bennett, to go 90 yeah. minutes against Washington or against Orlando, this could have been a different game for Kansas City, but that yeah. wasn't the case at all. Um, but, but the opening goal coming from Orlando, and then after... Elise Bennett subs on in the 60th minute. She gets a goal in the 78th minute. It's an assist from Labanta and evens it up for, for yeah. these two sides. And then they get another one and it's assisted by Bennett coming uh, towards Massive. the end of this game. This was like the start of stoppage time because there was so many minutes added on to this game. Um, uh, looking at the player personnel, at least for Orlando throughout this match, Leah Pruitt, I've been pleasantly surprised with her work ethic against Angel City for Orlando last week. She was 
incredible off the ball, defending, working to get back. And and throughout this match, she became an outlet for Orlando when they were looking to go forward. And so many teams hone in on LaRue, even Jenkins, that Pruitt has the ability to hold the ball up and, and she's making a difference for Orlando Pride. I think Pruitt had a really good game for Orlando and Amanda Cromwell, but I mean, Elise Bennett for Kansas City. This is such a fun player to watch, but ultimately uh, a two- one to Kansas City in oh the time of this match. And this is where it gets a bit chaotic because oh my goodness. the 90th minute and the 97th minute, there was two yellow cards, two goals, a, a foul, a penalty kick happening. That's how Orlando ends up getting the equalizing goal in, in the waning minutes of stoppage time at the end of this match. And Tony Presley, uh, <laughs> center back, Knocking it down, I was shocked. The, the way this one ended, you would you would think that a a ninety plus one stoppage time goal would essentially be the game winner in this one, but this was not the case. There was a ton of stoppage time that was given to begin with, about what three or four minutes, I think, at the time, and then you have Orlando just turning on the pressure a little bit. I I appreciated the the refusal to to not result in, in, in this game. I I really did appreciate I that. Do. It's it that I think that is what I know you and I are, are were looking for when we were we were talking a bit about a little bit of, really even in the off season about previewing this team. We're like that was our biggest burning question. We're like, you know, is this team going to just like lean in to their rebuild like you're gonna have some really tough moments here but you know are you gonna at least try to lean into your to your formation to your tactics to to the game in front of you and I think this is a very early example of them doing that so this this foul occurs late in stoppage time and against Desiree Scott or it's against Desiree Scott and we got to talk about this a little bit because this is a moment where maybe it could have gone the other way. And if it had it gone the other way, maybe we'll be talking about this game in a different way that is an emphasis on officiating. But I've mentioned this before on this show that I appreciate the officiating crews taking a second or two to make sure that they get a call correct yes. before just being like, you know, blowing it off. So there was some confusion here at the moment. They were like, there's a foul that happened. A yellow was issued. And then there was a lot of conversation and chatter that was going on. Then all of a sudden you see Aaron McLeod running all the way into this mix and also getting her her piece in as well. And as soon as like you saw it happen, the official was like, let me do my job and like points yeah. to the spot and is like, this is going to be a penalty kick. So I agree with this call completely. I mean, initially as it all happened, the foul happened, um, well outside the box is when the players hit the ground. Yeah. And mind you, these officials, I actually give them a lot of credit because I only realized this watching the replay a hundred times on my TV today. But uh, this foul actually happened in the box, even though the players didn't fall until outside the box. That's why it was awarded as a penalty kick through the end of this game. And Desiree Scott was upset she was like this is not true this is not happening when I saw McLeod for Orlando goalkeeper running into the frame all the way to the other 18 yard box at first I was like oh is she gonna get in and try to score like a late winner but then when she was like near the ball or where the ball was set to take place I was like oh she's arguing against this and she is giving yeah. her two cents um 
a lot of credit, honestly, to the official for, for not saying yeah. anything about it. Alex Beltier, I believe, um, Beltier, and frankly, it, I think it was the right call. And yeah, there ends up being right. a penalty kick in the sixth minute of stoppage time, and Tony Presley scores it. A little, bit of, a little bit of a insight. Uh, shout out to Daniel Sperry, who was a, a pool reporting uh, from this game. Uh, being able to field question, a couple of questions to uh, pro referees. Uh, question referring to the Desiree Scott foul. What, what did Desiree Scott do that was deemed a foul that resulted in the penalty kick? And the answer from the officiating crew was that Scott recklessly charged an opponent in the back. And what process, follow, another follow-up question was, what process was used to determine that the foul in the box was opposed to what seemed to be the original placement of the free kick which was outside the box and the follow-up answer was that the referee received additional information from a crew member to determine that the foul was actually in the penalty area so again i appreciate that those moments when they occur i'd rather you take the extra couple seconds to to get it right even if it is in uh in stoppage time i think uh, in the sixth minute (laughs) in the sixth minute you're seeing that but i think the maybe the funniest part about all this is that while this is happening you sort of maybe feel like okay if this much deliberation is going on there's probably going to be a penalty kick Like it's taken, and all of a sudden we see Tony Presley with the ball in her hands, and like this was part of in the back of my head. I'm like, okay, we're we're thinking all these things about Orlando, but we're also one. I'm like, who is on this pitch right now that's available to right. take or convert a penalty kick? Like, what's going to happen here? And then all of a sudden, it's the center back, yes, Tony Presley, because- who, who had a tough couple of minutes towards the end there oh yeah well because at this point in throughout the stoppage time Darren Jenkins had been subbed out uh Gunny Yon's daughter had been subbed out those are the initial players that I would say they're going to knock it down and the fact that Presley does this maybe she was making up for some of her um uh, tough plays that happened because uh, looking at the goals for Kansas City Presley wasn't marked tight enough if you give Kristen Hamilton space she's going to turn and shoot and score and and Hamilton maybe could have had two or three goals throughout this match because Presley wasn't marked up tight against her she gave her way too much space and you cannot do that to a player like Hamilton and uh but I guess she redeems herself Presley she knocks down the goal and, and they split the points between Orlando and Kansas City at the end of this yeah, maybe a little bit of a maybe a little bit of a redemption song there, I guess, I maybe for for pressing in Orlando Pride, snatching up points. And you know, we gotta we gotta call it like it is. And we're talking about uh, you know, San Diego being on a win streak. We're looking at Orlando Pride right now, they're undefeated in two games. So I don't know. We're we're taking we gotta keep it. We, Anything can happen. Anything can happen in the NWSL. Uh, we gotta talk about the last one on the docket here. It's another draw racing Louisville and Houston Dash. These two teams playing out to a 1-1 draw. Another game where the action in terms of the goal scoring did not occur until late until the the, the 15 final 15 minutes of the match. And assault Prince getting on the board for Houston Dash with a lovely header in the 77th minute. But unfortunately, just a mere five minutes later, racing Louisville would equalize in the 82nd minute with another header from Jessica McDonald. So these two splitting the points and kind of a little bit of a physical game. Oh, yeah. Uh, We're talking about kind of chippy and choppy. I'm going to chalk this one up, Lisa, to the fact that 
listen, there, there's going to be some games this year in the regular season that are probably going to feel this way because of the familiarity between yes. some of these teams already. So the fact that we had a little bit of an extended reformatted challenge cup divided over three groups, teams already playing each other twice at some moments in this year, now playing each other for a third time in about a month or, or five weeks or so, uh, that is going to leave a little bit less element of surprise, I think, for some teams. And the familiarity can sometimes lead to just some physicality. And not too surprised to see this one end in a draw, uh, a, a low draw at this one. I think I had this one as a draw, Lisa. I don't know if you want to remind you me. You okay. had this as a draw. I had Louisville taking the win in this one. Fair, fair. I mean, they I mean, they could have, quite frankly. I mean, they 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 had their moments and so did so did Houston. I mean, another again, uh, we're talking about two teams that ended up committing uh, more fouls, I think, than than actual sh- shots. I think uh, yeah. 10 <laughs> shots for Louisville, then they committed 11 fouls, 11 shots for Houston and then committing 15 fouls, you know. So it was uh, it was a tough one maybe to watch in terms of uh, looking at the analytical side of things of, of the X's and O's on a pitch in this one. But honestly, Lisa, I think that's why I ended up going with a draw in our preview when right. we talked about this one. I was like, you know what? These two teams have played each other a couple times already. Yeah, there was a couple moments where it was a shootout. I don't know if it's going to be that high again, but here we are with another draw. I agree. I mean, this match was interesting as it unfolds. We see Shea Groom get the start for Houston, her first one of this year. Um, and I was pleasantly impressed with Savannah DeMello, the rookie for right. racing Louisville. She had a few really good chances, a set piece opportunity that did uh, really, really close. Um, but yeah, this looking at like the timeline of events throughout this match, it all starts in the second half uh, looking at this. But save wise, Katie Lund had a good game for Racing Louisville, three saves for her. Um, and then Jane Campbell in goal for Houston, also putting yeah. up a big, big stops as they could. But the back to back goals between these two sides was um it's almost as though Houston got the goal from Prince in the 77th minute. And then it, just a few minutes later, as Louisville responds, Houston almost deflated in a sense. Yeah. And Jess McDonald rising to the occasion, knocking yeah. down a great header, a really, really good goal from McDonald. And that's why Kim yeah. Bjorkegren and Racing Louisville is very happy to have Jess McDonald on their team because she can come up clutch in big moments like that. And they end up splitting the points. Yeah, I like I like that Houston's kind of came off of a little bit of a, a set piece that was was mm-hmm. retained in, in the dangerous areas there. Uh, Maria Sanchez gets served in the ball. Allie Price getting hit goes off the post, but Nichelle Prince is there to put it away. Really glad she was able to get on the scoreboard for the dash. Uh, I know we are both like really eager to see more of of this kind of attacking trio for for Houston um, with with Sanchez and Prince and, and Daly kind of get going. But I'm also loving this continued growth between Malay and McDonald. I think we're really starting to oh, see yeah. a really good collaboration between the two of them. So I'm uh, I'm liking the little things that we're seeing even within the draws throughout these games that took place over the weekend. We want to give a shout out though, before we close out here, the FA cup final closed out with a massive, massive scoreline of their own, went to extra time three, two Chelsea winning their fourth all round uh, FA cup, their second consecutive under Emma Hayes, Sam Kerr with a brace, Aaron Cuthbert getting a goal as well in this one, but congrats to Chelsea up the blues, baby. 
Yeah, back to back for Chelsea. This was huge. We we talked about it in our preview, so we had to round up the recap with a little bit of FA Cup talk. Uh, some pictures on attacking third. Christine Mewis was there. Um, really fun to see, but huge for for Chelsea to do this back to back. It's it's really fun to be a women's soccer fan right now. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty dope. Everybody, we know you know how dope it is. Thank you all so much for listening to Attacking Third and joining us today on our recap show. You can follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Attacking Third. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to your shows. We're also available as videos. Subscribe to us. Visit YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. You got questions for us? You leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your question, and Lisa and I will answer it. We always see you throwing them in the chat, and we appreciate it, but you got to get them answered answered by going to Apple Podcasts and dropping the five-star review with the question. Lisa and I will be back Wednesday with so much more as there are mid-game games this week. Check out games happening on Wednesday. We're going to be there for you. For Sandra Rita and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.